Merry Christmas, everyone. Come on, let's try that again. Merry Christmas. You can say it a day early, it's all right. My name is Pastor Chris. We're so glad that you're here with us. And um, man, we got to give it up again for the festival we had this weekend. What an awesome time. Uh, we had a blast. If you made it out uh, and you weathered through the, the, uh, the weather yesterday, but Friday night, it was just a, a fun time for the entire family. I want to welcome any of our guests that are here today. Is anyone here for the first time? You're a guest of ours this morning. Just let me see your hand. Wave at me. I want to say hello to you. Hi, welcome. Come on, church. Let's give it up for those that are with us today. Uh, we're glad if you were a part of the festival and you're new to Evangel, um, we made a, a special um, picture frame for you that is available. We've already printed out your picture, your family photo. If you stop out um, at our info center after service, you can pick one up just like ours here with my little daughter with her uh, face paint uh, as uh, Rudolph, it looks like. Um, if you didn't like your family photo, you can have mine and take it home with you and hang it on your wall if you'd like. Um, no. But we're glad that you're here with us today and uh, that we can celebrate together. We're looking forward to this service and our next service and what God has in store for us. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you open with me to Matthew chapter 1? Matthew chapter 1. As I think about the Christmas season, I think about the story of Christmas. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter and an 18-month-old uh, son, and it's amazing to see how my daughter in just the last couple years has really begun to learn the Christmas story. And uh, nothing is more precious for me to see than her sitting with her dolls, telling them about all the characters and Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and all these things. Like my daughter at a young age, we learn the story. Were any of you like three to four years old when you first learned the Christmas story? Let me see your hands. How many of you grown up going to church and you know the story? I mean, you've been learning it as long as you've been alive uh, about all the characters and baby Jesus and uh, the wise men and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the angel Gabriel that spoke to them. It's amazing that we know the story. I mean, some of us, we got it down pat, don't we? You know, you even know the gifts that the Magi brought to baby Jesus, right? Come on, you know those, let's say them all together. What are the gifts? Gold, did I hear Frankenstein? It's frankincense. Frankincense and myrrh. Um, we don't know what all those things are, right? As you think about it, I don't know. I just know that they were brought. They were the best gifts and they were special. We know where Jesus was born. Where was he born? Oh, you don't know that one as well. He was born in Bethlehem. Um, we know all the stories about Christmas. And growing up, I didn't grow up in the church, but I knew the story. I knew the Christmas story about Jesus and all of these things. But here's what I've realized. There's a difference between the story of Christmas and the significance of Christmas. There's a difference there. I think we can know all the details, we can know all the names, we can know all the people, but for me, what happens is when I can really recognize the significance of Christmas, it changes everything. I want you to know, understanding the significance of Christmas can change your life. Understanding the power of what really happened in these moments, it's so much more than the cute stories in the Hallmark movies that we watch on, uh, on television. There's something powerful that was world-changing that took place on that very first Christmas. And my desire today is that we could just take a look at the Bible together, take a look at what happened in that first Christmas and understand the significance of the story of Jesus and so that's what we're going to do today. And here's what I believe the great significance of Christmas is. And it's the greatest present you could ever receive. I think as we go down through time, it's still the greatest present you could ever receive. 
But here's what we get. The, the great significance of Christmas is that God keeps his promises. The greatest present I've, I've come to see are kept promises, right? I mean, more than just what you get, it's the fact that someone has kept their word, has kept their promise. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you have been promised something and disappointed, not given what was promised? It was the promise was not fulfilled, and that leaves you feeling a certain way. I can remember childhood memories where I was promised something and it didn't come to pass, and just how disappointed I was. I can remember in my adult years when I was promised something, and it didn't come to pass. Guess what? That feeling doesn't really leave us over time, does it? What we realize is, is the significance of Christmas is that we learn about a God who always keeps his promises. Christmas is a picture of God keeping numerous promises throughout the ages to his people. And it's something that's beautiful. It's something that you and I can trust in. It's something that we can believe together today, and it has the power to change everything. I don't ever want my daughter or my children to see a promise not kept. But here's what I found out is that before I even make promises, my kids sign up and pretend that I've already made a promise to them. Here, here, here's, here's how this works. My daughter and... Um, and my wife and I have been going through the process with the advent calendar, counting down every day until Christmas. She only has one little door to open, so she's really excited now. But, I mean, throughout the whole month, she keeps asking, is it Christmas yet? Is it time to open the gifts? And then one day she comes into our room and she said, is it time for me to open my gifts so that I can get my, and she fills in the blanks with all these presents. Now, I won't tell you whether or not we are getting those, uh, she is getting those presents. Uh, only she will know, and only we will know tomorrow, I guess, when we open up whatever's under the tree. But she was very specific, and it was causing my eyebrows to raise, to say, how does she know that? She walks away, I said to Manny, I said, did, did you say something to her? How does she know? And she said, because those are the gifts she asked for. And I said, well, what makes her think she's going to get those gifts? She said, because she asked for them. And she believes she's going to receive whatever it is that she's asked for. That's a childlike faith. And I thought, wow, what a lesson about God, about how we can come to him. And we can just come and know that when we ask him, when we take hold of what he has for us, that we can just come and take him at his word and trust him. How much greater whenever God gives us an actual promise, when he actually says something is going to happen. I want you to know that although there may be people in your life that have made promises to you, and maybe this Christmas is full of just empty promises that you can think of, and each of those creates some level of pain and discomfort and, and those kinds of feelings inside of us, I want you to know that Christmas reflects a God who always keeps his promises to us. And I want us to talk about that for just a moment. If you open with me to Matthew chapter 1, and look at me uh, with me at verse 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, this is a moment where the angel is speaking to Joseph, who is engaged to be married to a young lady named Mary, who has just received world-changing news that she's pregnant, although she's never been uh, with anyone, she's not married, and yet she's pregnant and going to have a baby, and God has blessed her and made her able to give birth to his son, Jesus. She's learning this. Joseph is struggling with this news. And as he's struggling, the angel of the Lord speaks to him. And here's what the angel of the Lord says. All of this has taken place to fulfill what God had said through the prophet, that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He says all that's happening right now in your life, Joseph, is actually God keeping his promise. 
If we go back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, there's a prophecy. And that's just a, a kind of another word for a promise that God made a long time ago. And here's what he said. Therefore, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here's what I want you to know is that 700 years before that moment we come to in Matthew chapter 1 is when this was written, when this was given to the prophet Isaiah. 700 years earlier, before it ever happened, God made a promise. He made a promise that's so amazing. It's a promise that he would be with us in a special way. And God is keeping his promise on the first ever Christmas. That's what we find here in this. What exactly is a promise? A promise is a declaration of assurance that someone will do a particular thing, that it will happen just as they said it. So here's what God promised 700 years earlier. One day there's going to be a child that's going to come. His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. 700 years later, the promise is kept in Jesus. And that name is an important name for you and I to remember. While Christmas can be one of the funnest times of the year, it can be one of the warmest times of the year, how many of us know that this can also be one of the loneliest times of the year? It can be a time when we're thinking about those that we're not with, those that are not with us maybe anymore. It can be a time where we can feel the distance. I mean, for some of us, we know that the greatest present this year will not be anything that anyone can buy you, but instead, it will be the presence of those that you love most near you, right? I mean, it's for some of you, it's just wanting to have your whole family in one home again, having one meal again. It's to see everyone that's far and wide and everyone's so busy that we're not connecting with one another. But at this time of the year, that great gift of each other's presence, it warms your heart. It's something that's to be enjoyed. It's something to be cherished. And I think the older we get, the more you grow to love that more than anything anyone can buy you, right? Now, some of you are like, no, I like the stuff. I really do, Pastor. I'm in church. I got to be honest with you. But... The gift of presence is something that's valuable. To think that one of God's first promises that he made to us is that he would be with us in a special way. So many of us live our lives, and I know I lived most of my life believing that God was a very distant God. If he was even real, he, had, he was so distant, so detached, so far from my life, my circumstances, my challenge, my mess. He had nothing to do and no interest in any part of my life. But when I read this promise from God, one day there's going to be one who will come. And he will be Emmanuel, God with us. That God promised to come and be with us in a special way, to be with us in his presence so that our lives could be fulfilled, so that we could experience him in a special, life-changing way. This is the promise of God that's fulfilled in Jesus, just one of the many promises. In fact, in the Bible, if you read in the Old Testament, there are hundreds of promises that have been made. There are dozens that we see that are pointed specifically to Jesus. And before Mary ever knew it, 700 years earlier, 
God made a promise and God fulfilled it. Here's what I want you to know. It doesn't matter how long it takes. God always keeps his promises to his people. If God says it, we hold on to it. I know for some of you, you've grown tired because you have been holding on to a promise and you feel like you're seeing nothing good coming from it. I want you to not grow weary. I want you to know that if you're trusting God, that's the best place for you to trust because you could read in the Bible and as time goes on, before your days on this earth come to a close, you will be able to stand and say, as so many others have, I've seen a lot, I've seen little and much, but here's one thing that I know, not one of God's good promises has gone unfulfilled in my life. God is faithful. Know that, know that. May that be the best gift you receive this Christmas is the realization that although anyone else might fail you, you have a God in heaven who will never fail you, who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. He's here with us. That started the first Christmas. He's with us. He's with us. He won't leave us. Thank you, Jesus. And when we see him, it's not that we just see Jesus. We see that God is truly here with us. When Jesus came, it was God in the flesh. He came to dwell among his people. In fact, Jesus goes so far to say in John chapter 14, verse 9, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. Can you imagine that? That the hands that held Jesus when he was first born, as they placed him in a, in a manger, an animal's feeding trough, and they looked into his eyes, that they're staring into the very eyes of God. That whenever these disciples, these young men and, and, and others that had seen him along the way and they left their lives and followed him, as they spoke to him, they said, Rabbi or teacher, and Jesus turned and looked at them. They're looking into the eyes of God. They're seeing God with us. Here's what I want you to know. When God shows up, everything changes. When God's presence is, is in a place, everything is different as a result. That's why when you read in the Bible, everywhere Jesus went, there was transformation taking place. Everywhere Jesus went, the miraculous was happening. We saw people were being healed. We saw that people were being miraculously provided for. There's a miracle where 5,000 people are fed with a young boy's lunch. In fact, we also see that where Jesus goes, there are certain occasions where someone has even died. And when they put their trust in Jesus, when the family asks Jesus to pray, they're raised from the dead. I mean, who can do that but God himself? This is what's happening. When God is with us, we can expect the supernatural to take place. Here's what I love. Is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's promised to be with us always to the ends of the earth. That's why we can celebrate and see God do amazing things. Even among us, we have stories in our church family where people that we'll pray for will be healed. I mean, isn't that amazing that we serve a God that can heal cancer, that can heal things that are going on in bodies, that can provide supernaturally. This is the God that we serve. And those are all a part of this one promise that he's here with us. He's not detached from us. He's not far from us. He's with us. And when he shows up, when he's here, when he truly is Emmanuel, God with us, it changes everything. So we see that promise that, that God would be with us through Jesus. But we also see another promise that comes a few verses earlier in Matthew chapter 1. Look with me in verse 21. This is as the angel's talking to Joseph and gives him specific instructions about how to name this baby. He says in verse 21, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Come on, say it with me. There's no greater name, Jesus. 
because he will save his people from their sins. He's saying this is going to be God with us, Emmanuel. And he's going to be Jesus because he's going to save the people, his people, from their sins. This is powerful. Again, if we look at the name Emmanuel, when you translate that, it literally means God with us. And then when you look at the name Jesus, the word Jesus means God saves. That's what his name means. So we see this, Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus, God saves us through him. So we see these two amazing promises of God that come through in this first Christmas together. These are amazing, amazing promises because this has been God's plan from the beginning. God gave his very best at Christmas. Some of us, we know what that feels like to give a great gift. But God gave the best gift. Don't play white elephant with him. He gave his best. You can never match it. You can never trade it. You can never do anything that could even compare to what God has done. Here's what we see in John chapter 3. It's a famous verse that many of us know. For God so loved the world he gave. We understand this generous heart at Christmas time because we love to give gifts, don't we? How many of you would be honest to say, really, I love to give more than I love to receive a gift at Christmas? You get more fulfillment from that. And that's good because for you, it maybe doesn't matter what you receive. Some of you are like, I'm receiving. I'm all about the receiving of the gifts. I don't like the shopping so much. Uh, many of us, we understand this game that people will play at this time of the year where we will give proportionately to what we have received. You know what I'm talking about? So you kind of measure kind of last year, right, how much was spent there? Okay, I'm going to go buy a gift that's kind of that amount now. And it's like making sure everything is even. Uh, you don't want to have that awkward thing where you bought someone, you know, a chocolate bar and they bought you a car or something weird, you know. Uh, you're like, wow, that was kind of mismatched there. But I want you to know when it comes to God, that if we love God, and I know many of us, we love God, we'd want to give him our best. I want you to know our best is like a, a, a chewed up chocolate bar, you know, and God's given us a mansion on a thousand hills. He's given us his very best, and we've given him what do we have to give that could compare. He gave his one and only son, the Bible says, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't have to perish or die, but would have eternal life. He gave us the gift of life. He gave us the gift of eternal life. What does that mean? It means that when our days on earth come to a close, the gift that God gave us the first Christmas was the ability to be in heaven forever with him. That when we come to an end in this life, that there is a life to come. There's the promise of heaven. There is a way to that place. There's only one way. Jesus said it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can get there except through me. God made a way. God opened the door through Jesus and made it possible. The Bible says that God did not send his son, verse 17, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Some of us, I think that we think that God is all about judgment and God is all about making us feel like we're not worthy. No, you know, we're just not worthy. That's just a reality. But he doesn't ever want us to walk in that but to understand that there's a free gift that he's extended. He sent Jesus not so that we could feel bad, but so that we could be saved. He came as this amazing gift, the gift that we could never purchase. It's one that we could never find. It's a hope that we could never find at the bottom of a tree. But instead, it was hope that came from someone who hung on a tree 2,000 years ago, who died for our sins. Jesus said himself in John chapter 15, Greater love has no one than this, that a man would lay down one's life for his friends. 
Jesus, when he came, he came to die. Some would say there's a significance in him being laid in swaddling clothes, and I knew what it was like to swaddle my child. But it's amazing for us to consider that at the beginning of Jesus' life, he was taken and he was wrapped up in some cloth. And then at the end of his life, when he died on the cross, he was taken off the cross and his body was wrapped in cloth. I mean, he came to die. He came, and as he ultimately realized the plan, he came so that he could pay a price that you and I could never pay. He came to give his life. What an amazing, precious gift. What an overwhelming gift to imagine that there's one who came from heaven, the Son of God, who died for you and for me, but he was doing that so that we could have eternal life. Jesus, before he died, he made a promise. It's so important to see these promises because what do we say about God? He always keeps his promises. John chapter 14, verses one through three. This is Jesus speaking before he dies on the cross. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, but believe also in me. That word's for someone today. You believe in God, but Jesus is inviting you to believe in him. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. This is a promise that Jesus makes to everyone who would believe in him. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Because I'm going to prepare a place for you. What's amazing to me is when we think about this, when we think about how Jesus came in Christmas, he came to a place that had no room for him. He came to a world that was so busy, that was so caught up in the chaos of the moment that there was not even a room for him to be born. To think that God in the flesh, the Son of God, the King of kings would come I mean, what kind of dwelling would be worthy for such a king? The greatest mansions would not compare to what he is due. And instead, he's born into a place that doesn't even have room for him. And you see throughout his ministry, Jesus is actually driven out of certain places. They, they, don't, they don't want him. They reject him. They push him away, although there are miracles, and it's clear that God is working. By the end of his life, they cry, crucify him, meaning we have no room for you in this life. We have no room for you. Jesus' life was marked by a world that was continually rejecting him, pushing him away, saying, we don't have room for you. And the whole time, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. We don't have room for him, but Jesus is always about making room for us. You may have, in your life, not made any room for Jesus, but I want you to know this. He's prepared a place for you. He's prepared a place for you that you could be with him. Although you've not thought of him, although you may not have, have ever reflected on this at any moment, you've lived your life for yourself. I want you to know there's a God that loves you He's made a place for you. Pastor Rick, would you come up at this time? This is the promise of Jesus, that he's come to be with us, that when we walk through this life, we don't have to be alone. He's come to save us so that our past doesn't need to define us, so we can have a future that's with him, that's full of hope. I know for me, I lived without that kind of hope in my life for a long time. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in Jesus. But it wasn't until I came into a life-changing relationship with him, until I really looked at God's word and realized the truth that God loved me and had a plan for my life. 
and he loved me too much to let me stay in my sin and in my brokenness and in my mess. I don't know, like some of us, we get to believing that we have to be good enough for God to love us. And I want you to know that that couldn't be further from the truth. God loves you right where you are, right as you are. And he loves you so much that he made a way for you not to have to stay there, but to find a hope and a brand new life and forgiveness in Jesus. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come to those who are all cleaned up and don't have a mess. He came to those who were caught up in the middle of the mess. I shared a few weeks ago with our church family that the word Messiah, that's who Jesus was, the promised Messiah. You can't have a Messiah without the word mess. I mean, he came to the mess. He came to save us from the mess, to rescue us from the mess that sin has caused in our hearts and in our lives. I grew up knowing the story of Christmas, but that didn't change my life. When I learned the significance of Christmas, that changed everything for me. When I learned this truth, that God loved me and that he gave his son as the greatest gift I could ever receive. When I turned my life to Jesus, it changed me forever. And I would not want another season to go by if you're in the, within the sound of my voice and you don't have that kind of relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna invite us this Christmas Eve to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And today, I wanna to give you an opportunity to search your own heart, to search your own life, to ask yourself that question. Where am I today? Have I put my trust in Jesus? Do I believe in God and also in Jesus? There's a passage of scripture. There's all kinds of promises that I talked about and some of those promises were fulfilled in Jesus, but some of them are still to come. Jesus promised here is what we read, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if God is a God who always keeps his promise, this is another promise that he's keeping. He also promises that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved that we could experience the truth of Jesus' name, God saves. If we believe in Jesus, we can experience that today. As we go forward in the Bible, we come to the book of Revelation. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to hear these words. It's there that Jesus is speaking. In Revelation 3.20, here's what Jesus says, and I want you to hear his word. I want you to not hear my voice, but hear the voice of Jesus today. Here's what he says to you. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I want you to know that Jesus stands at the door of every heart of every life today and he's knocking at your door. He desires to have a relationship with you. He desires to save you today and to give you a brand new life Will you receive him? Will you make room for him this Christmas? Will you open up your heart and open up your life? Will you acknowledge your need for him? In just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to lift your hand. If today is the day that you wanna say yes to Jesus. And what we're gonna do is I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is nothing magic in the words, but it just acknowledges what the Bible teaches. That we confess our sins, we realize and admit that we need him in our lives, we have a mess we believe that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again. That's why we celebrate Easter and that we commit our lives to follow him. 
And if we do that, the Bible says we're saved, we're changed, we're a brand new creation. You could feel the weight of guilt and unforgiveness and all these things that have, that have clouded your life be lifted and you can walk in a brand new relationship with God and you can have the hope of future with him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if today's the day you say, Pastor, I, I wanna receive Jesus. I wanna experience that gift in my life. Don't worry about the person on your left and on your right. You alone know if you're right with God. If that's you, I want you right where you're seated. Just, just lift your hand right above your head, right where you're seated, if that's you. Amen. Is there anyone else? Lift your hand high up above your head. I see your hands going up around the room. Is anyone else up in the balcony? If you're watching online, just lift your hand up right where you're at. Praise God. Your hand's going up around the room today. I want to pray with you, and I want you to say this prayer from the bottom of your heart church family, if you want to come alongside as well and say it just as a recommitment of yourself to Jesus today, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. And today I commit to follow you all the days of my life. I love you, and I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate with those that just made that decision today? Amen. I'm so excited for that. That moment changed my life forever. Here's what I want you to do. If today's the day that you made that decision, I want to invite you to take one more step with me right now. If you'll pull out your cell phone, if you're here, um, and you just made a decision to follow Jesus, go ahead, right where you're sitting, just pull out your cell phone. And if you text this number and you just text the word Jesus to 908-325-5163, we want to send you a gift. We want to send you something that will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Our free gift to you, you just have to shoot a text message to let us know that today was a day that you said yes to Jesus. And church family, can we celebrate again with them and that decision that they made today? We're so excited for you. So just take out your phone. Take a moment before the close of this service. Type down this number. Just send us that text message. And we'd be glad to connect with you and give you that free gift. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Hasn't it been an awesome morning so far? God's doing a great work in us. God is a God who always keeps his promises. And as we close out, I want us to do something that we normally do as a part of our tradition here at Evangel. We're going to take part in a candle lighting together. And in just a few moments, the entire room is going to get very, very dark. And we're all going to be on our feet. And it's going to start with one flame here. Because Jesus, here's what he said. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever believes in me doesn't have to walk in darkness. But he has a light that leads to life. When we put our trust in Jesus, something happens within us as well, the Bible teaches. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you are the light of the world. And therefore, we are to let our light shine before all men that they can see our good deeds and they can praise God. Do you know that your life is meant to shine? You're meant to shine. You're meant to show your, your love and the love of God in such a way that others will see it. They, it will be unrecognizable to them. Anything other than that shining light. And so here's what I'd like to do today. Let's all stand to our feet. And as we're standing, we're preparing for this time of this candle lighting. As you receive that flame and you stand there with that lit candle, as that's being lit, would you say a prayer to God with me? 
Would you ask the Lord to allow your light to shine brighter than it ever has before in 2018? Say, Lord, would you light a fire in my heart and in my life? Would you let me shine brighter than I ever have before for you? Amen. Would you say that prayer as this is going on? We're going to be singing this beautiful song, Silent Night, together. But let's just allow and see what happens when we take God at his word, when we truly begin to be the light of the world as he calls us to be. So let's do that now. Let's bring down all the lights and let's prepare our hearts to take part in this candle lighting together.